Welcome back, crime fanatics. It's Christmas. This is Steph. And this is Kat. Merry Christmas, everyone. And today, Kat has a story for you. It's a really long one, probably like our Ed Kemper episode. Um, But do you want to talk about what you want to talk about? Or do you want me to do my funny story? Well, either way. But right now, y'all, I am fuming. I've had the hell of a day two days in a row. But so today, doing my research all day and my computer decided it is it's a piece of trash. I should have asked for a new one for Christmas, honestly, and I'll probably go out and buy one for myself as a Christmas <laughs> present when we're done here. But that's not even why I'm mad. That was just a, a roadblock today to doing this episode. So just before I come upstairs to record this episode, I had bought my husband, so he goes in the garage a lot and, like, hangs out. It's, like, his man cave, and he has these Adidas slippers. I always steal them, and but they're, sli- they're um, not slippers, uh, sandals, and I always steal them to, like, take the kids to the bus stop and shit because my, my slippers, like, slide in them real easy. Anyways, besides the point. So now that it's winter and it's freezing out there, I was at the store the other day, and I thought, oh, I like, I saw these actual slippers that have, like, the hard bottom and I was like, oh, those will be perfect for him for in the garage. So I buy them for him for Christmas. I put them with all his stuff. They're hidden away right now. I haven't even wrapped them yet. And this motherfucker, I go downstairs <laughs> before I come upstairs to record. And there is a brand new pair, almost identical to the ones I bought, <laughs> in front of the garage door. And I look at him. I grab these things and I bring them over and I look at him. And he goes, goes oh do you like them he's like I just saw them and they're real cheap at Walmart he's like so I figured they were perfect and I just threw them down and gave him a bad like the dirtiest like I was so mad here I was so excited that I was being so thoughtful I was like this would be perfect for him keep his little tootsies warm and this motherfucker went out days before Christmas and bought himself a pair of them I'm mad oh my god (laughs) oh when you told me you were fuming, I thought, oh, God, what did he do? <laughs> <laughs> it is not as bad as what I was anticipating. No, but you know what? He always does that shit to me. Like, before his birthday or Christmas, he'll go out and buy himself something, and it's always the same shit that I fucking bought him, and it's like, knock it off. You don't buy yourself presents before your birthday and Christmas, especially if somebody else might have bought it for you. Don't do that. It's no. rude. It's rude. Rude. Mike are the type of people that if we want something, we're going to buy it. So we have to be really careful when like any kind of gift shopping for each other, because usually we already have what the other is like thinking of buying. And I, for his birthday is March 18th. I decided that I am going to get him tickets to go see the Boston Celtics play the um, Houston Rockets in Boston. Because Boston's his favorite team and I'm going to get an Airbnb and stay out there for a couple days. And because I know he's never been there and I know he's not buying it for himself. Because... Wait, does he listen to this episode? No. Okay. No. <laughs> no. I was like, is he going to find out about his birthday present months in advance? <laughs> no, he's very supportive of what we're doing, but <laughs> this is not his thing. <laughs> He's going to listen to this episode just because you're talking about his birthday present. You know that. So he is on YouTube 90% of his free time. 
He plays Magic the Gathering, which is a very complicated card game. It's almost like Pokemon, but way more nerdier and for adults. <laughs> and so he is on YouTube watching other people play decks. And I get so, like, I just, it's not that I get mad at him for it. I'm like, you are the biggest fucking nerd I know. <laughs> like, the biggest nerd. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Well, like, not to be mean, but my husband's a huge nerd, too. I dig nerds. I freaking John Oliver is a nerd, but man, do I love it. I just love a big brain. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, but now I cut off your story just because I was curious if you were telling him what he if he was gonna find out what you got him for his birthday. Um, I mean this is a trip is partly for me because I wanna oh. go to <laughs> I wanna go to Fenway because I've never been there. Like I obviously know it's not baseball season, but I think it'd still be really cool to like just go see it. And then I on the day that we come home because we're gonna drive up Friday and, and come back Sunday. And it's like a 10-hour drive, but Sunday morning, I want to go to the Salem Witch Trials Museum and go to the actual site, which is why I asked you what I did yesterday, because I've been planning this for a couple days now. Ah, yeah. I would love to do all of those things. (laughs) Fenway Um, is definitely one of the few parks that I haven't been to that I would love to go to, so. Well, I'll send you lots of pictures. Yeah, that's not the same. I know, but at least you get to see it through my. I'll 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 video message you. <laughs> <laughs> so at least it's better than pictures. Still not the same, but I guess I'll accept it for now. I thought it'd be really cool if like we could record while I'm at the the witch trial site. Ooh. How yeah, and I'm like. Would... And then I like do that story. For sure, that'd that be awesome. Be, yeah. Mike's going to be, like, wandering around, like, bored out of his fucking mind. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) Just do a quickie. Just be a quickie. Right. All right. (laughs) So I have a funny story. It's not a – it's, like, two paragraphs, so it's not much. But the title is, A Fox Business Reporter Tries to Sneak a Crap Pipe into a Lower Manhattan Courthouse. Uh... I have a lot of questions. So let me read the article. (laughs) (laughs) According to law enforcement, sources speaking to the New York Post, a Fox business reporter was caught trying to sneak a crack pipe into the federal courthouse in downtown Manhattan. Lawrence Crook III was allegedly caught with the paraphernalia while he was covering the Sprint T-Mobile merger at the lower Manhattan courthouse. He was caught after an attentive court security officer saw a bulge in his sock. When caught, Crook reportedly lamented how he had recently lost his job at CNN and was in big trouble. You think? I wonder why. (laughs) It's not known if he still has a job at Fox Business. (laughs) Uh, I still have a lot of questions that article did not answer, like, does he have a drug problem? Was it a friend's? Why does he think he should bring it into the courthouse where everything is super heavy security? That'd be like trying to take it onto an airplane. Well, um, especially in Manhattan, of all places. Yeah, true. You know, like, security is <laughs> going to be real fucking heavy there. What? <laughs> Hi. Did you hear that? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know why. 
what what's so funny over there? <laughs> I was wondering why you were leaning down so close. Oh, I was blowing a little fuzzball off my keyboard because it was making me nuts. <laughs> oh. That's all. <laughs> I can't even see you. You're like <laughs> laying down. Yeah, I put a pillow behind my head. My head hurts tonight. Oh, no. Well, luckily you can just listen to this story that's fucked up and not have to do a whole lot except well it probably won't make you feel better though but i mean i enjoy hearing stories that's true (sighs) okay this is one that i've wanted to do um but have kind of strayed away from a little bit a because it's such a big case and b because it's pretty, it's like a new next level compared to the ones that we've done so far, I feel like. Um, but I will go ahead and tell you my story. Okay. So in March of 1999, a sex worker was walking through a park, parking lot toward a restaurant when a man approached her. He told her she was under arrest for solicitation of sex work. He proceeded to handcuff her, and by the time she realized he wasn't really a police officer, it was already too late. 22-year-old Cynthia Vigil would be the last woman abducted by the biggest shit stain to ever come out of New Mexico, David Parker Ray, a.k.a. the Toy Box Killer. You guys, this one is one of the worst serial killers I'll ever cover on this podcast i want to warn you before i keep going that it's a dark hole we're about to crawl into i will include some audio of this creep bag and some of the details may be very disturbing and for me to give this warning to you you know it's bad because we go down dark holes around here very often (laughs) so just for those of you who may be sensitive to some of these details. This might not be the episode for you, um, but yeah. So we'll get back to Cynthia Vigil and what happened to her, but first I want to take you back to the beginning. David Parker Ray's story is sort of hillbilly meets abducted in plain sight meets Jeffrey Dahmer minus the human snacks. His whole story is just a barf bag from beginning to end. He was born in 1939 and grew up in New Mexico. His parents, Cecil and Nettie, had a lot of financial problems, so David and his sister Peggy lived with their mother's parents. From what little we know of his upbringing, his grandpa was the one who mostly raised them, and it seems he was beyond strict and pretty abusive. David's dad, Cecil, was drunk and wasn't around too much. When he did blow through town, it was mostly to smack them around, and he would leave sadomasochistic porno magazines for David. Yes, you heard that right. Sadomasochistic porn mags. Like, who was his dad? Buffalo Bill? (laughs) Basically, the adults, specifically the male role models in his life, were doing more harm than good. It's strange enough for a dad to give his kid porn mags but for a teen i guess i could kind of see that back in the day maybe but these were torture porn this wasn't playboy and his sister peggy found drawings of his own depicting his fantasies of rape bondage and torture during this time so clearly this wasn't a healthy upbringing that would produce a well-adjusted adult david grew into an awkward teen understandably 
who was shy around girls. Because of this, he was often bullied by his classmates as a teen. And at this point in his story, I almost feel bad for him, which knowing what he did later in life only makes me throw up a little in my mouth. This is a case that makes me seriously contemplate nurture versus nature. I wonder if he'd had even one adult in his life that gave a shit or was a good influence or show him some sort of love if he would have been a normal, productive member of society as an adult or if he would have was just born a crap bag like his dad and grandfather and would have still grown up to be one of the worst serial killers the world has ever known. This leaves me with so many questions, like what happened to his sister? Did she grow up to have a relatively normal life despite her shit show childhood? There's not really any info on her out there, and I wonder were his dad and grandpa just dicks, or did they also have some fucked up extracurriculars when they were alive? We'll never know, I suppose, but this is the hole my brain goes down when I find out a serial killer was pretty much created by their upbringing and those who were involved. Despite his messed up childhood, years, despite his messed up childhood, David seemed to be able to at least fake some normalcy. When he graduated high school, he got a job as a mechanic. Shortly after, he joined the Army, where he was also a mechanic, and he was honorably discharged after his service. Throughout the years, he was married and divorced four times. I imagine it's hard to maintain a marriage when you're busy torturing, raping, and murdering women. Ray had two daughters, but only one of who he seemed to actually have anything to do with. Thank God, I guess. This daughter's name was Glenda Jean, who they called Jessie. Sidebar, how do you get Jessie out of Glenda Jean? And I'm not even sure which of these names is more Southern. (laughs) (laughs) Jessie Ray will be important to our story later on. Now, in 1999, David Parker Ray was dating a woman named Cindy Hindi. I shit you guys not. I cannot make these names up if I tried. We got Jesse Ray and Cindy Hendy. Cindy and David were a match made in hell. Somehow he'd finally found the perfect fucked up partner in crime. In March of 1999, when David pretended to be a police officer and fake arrested Cynthia Vigil from the restaurant parking lot just outside of his RV, in which Cindy Hindi was waiting for his return with their next victim. He struggled to get Cynthia in the RV in Elephant Butte, New Mexico. As they entered, he called for Cindy, who came out from behind the curtain and zapped Cynthia in the neck with a cattle prod to subdue her. What? Yes. Next, they cuffed her to the cabinet so they could drive the RV to a more desolate location to carry out their plans basically back to their house and toy box. During the drive, Cynthia had actually gotten her arms free. She was still handcuffed, but she'd gotten free. And she planned to make a run for it when they stopped. But they stopped so suddenly that she kind of tumbled and rolled. And so they realized she was free. So this time they shackled her arms and legs and put a leather mask over her face. One of those ones with like a zipper for the mouth part. Ooh. Uh Uh-huh, so that they could contain her. Then they tried to drug her. They continuously poured some sort of liquid in her mouth that she kept spitting out. 
After some driving, they came to their final location. Wait, what, what was the liquid? They, it was some sort of drug. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> These two enjoyed severely drugging their victims to the point of, so some of them they would let go, and some of them they obviously did not let go, and they murdered them, but um, they would drug them to the point of hallucinations and amnesia so that they didn't know what was even going on. And the ones that were released didn't even know if their memories were real. So this time uh, when they pulled up to the trailer, um, they, it wasn't just any trailer. This was David Parker Ray's trailer of torture, his toy box, if you will. And the reason that he was dubbed the toy box killer, I actually avoided learning about this murder for a long time and listening to episodes and um, documentaries and such on it, just because I assumed toy box killer meant he murdered children. I was way off, which there may have been some children that we didn't know about based on some details of the case or just very young women, like young teenagers, I would say. Um, But there's no proof of it. Um, But that's not why he was called the toy box killer. So David was mechanically inclined and he had a pension for torture sex since he was a teen, thanks to his father. So he created his toy box, which basically means he used his skills of being a mechanic to create torture devices. And this trailer, his toy box was full of all of these devices. When they got to the toy box, David and Cindy pulled Cynthia out of the RV that they'd been driving at gunpoint and walked her shackled to their trailer. And I guess there were other trailers around there, so I can't imagine how none of their neighbors like ever heard anything or I don't I don't know. Maybe or, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It is. It is, but there were other trailers surrounding them. She Cynthia in an interview that I watched, actually said that there was, like, they had neighbors. So, and they they are out in the middle of nowhere. It's, like, like a lot of land and desert-type area. Maybe it's, like, a trashy trailer park where, like, nobody wants to, like, oh, what's that noise? Nope, we'll just let them fucking kill people in the trailer next to us. I guess so. Oh, that's just silly Dave and his whatever he's up to. This, Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But so the couple walked her into their tra- the trailer. They strapped her to a table and put an iron slave collar around her neck, which they then padlocked to the wall. Um, then they played this weird audio tape for her. And I will include it here in just a minute. Um, it's so creepy and it's, Almost like you can't take it seriously, though, because it sounds like Howdy Doody became a serial killer and then just was too lazy to tell his victims over and over what he was going to happen to them. So he made this audio to do it for him. It's so unsettling and just strange. So here, take a listen to the clip. Hello there, bitch. Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. Wrist and ankles chained. 
dead, probably blindfolded. You are disoriented and scared too, I would imagine. Perfectly normal under the circumstances. For a, while, for a little while at least, you'll need to get your shit together and listen to this tape. It's very relevant to your situation. I'm going to tell you in detail why you have been kidnapped, what's going to happen to you, and how long you'll be here. I don't know the details of your capture, but this tape is being created July 23rd, 1993, as a general advisory tape for future female captives. The information I'm going to give you is based on my experience dealing with captives over a period of several years. If, at a future date, there are any major changes in our procedures, this tape will be upgraded. Now, you're obviously here against your will, totally helpless, don't know where you're at, don't know what's going to happen to you. You're very scared or very pissed off. I'm sure that you've already tried to get your wrists and ankles loose, and no, you can't. Now you're just waiting to see what's going to happen next. You probably think you're going to be raped, and you're fucking sure right about that. Our primary interest is in what you've got between your legs. You'll be raped thoroughly and repeatedly in every hole you got. Because, basically, you've been snatched and brought here for us to train and use as a sex slave. Sound kind of far out? Well, I suppose it is to the uninitiated, but we do it all the time. It's going to take a lot of adjustment on your part, and you're not going to like it a fucking bit. But I don't give a big rat's ass about that. It's not like you're going to have any choice about the matter. You've been taken by force, and you're going to be kept and used by force. What all this amounts to is that you're going to be kept naked and chained up like an animal, to be used and abused any time we want to, any way that we want to, and you might as well start getting used to it, because you're going to be kept here and used until such time as we get tired of fucking around with you, and we will eventually, in a month or two, maybe three, it's no big deal. My lady friend and I have been keeping sex slaves for years. We both have kinky hang-ups involving rape, dungeon games, etc. We found that it's extremely convenient to keep one or two female captives available constantly to, uh, satisfy our particular needs. So, in the clip that you just listened to, it says, he made it in 1993. Now, Cynthia was abducted in 1989 so if you did the math it means he's been using that clip by this point for at least six years by the time she's abducted and he says in the clip that he and his lady friend like to keep slaves or something along that line those lines but in 1993 when he would have made that clip cindy hindi wasn't around so i can't help but wonder who he's referring to here i do have a unfounded suggestion of who it may be and we'll get back to that a little later i suppose so for three days cynthia is drugged on and off tortured with many devices and raised trailer by both him and his girlfriend cindy and other accomplices she said she recalls him bringing in other people like friends to rape her and played it off as a bds bdsm setup so they were supposed to basically play along if she said no so these other people were basically unknowingly raping her, thinking it was just oh, like a... like a scene? Uh, yep. That's disgusting. Uh-huh. And at some point, he used her... Ugh, 
to try to train dogs to perform sexual acts on his victims. Whoa. I won't go into detail on this, even though, like, I, because I can't scrub it from my own brain. So if you want to go down that rabbit hole, that's on you. I'll pass. Um, but this was definitely the point in my research where I was like, stop the world. I want to get off. <laughs> oh. Ugh. Yeah. The toy box was basically a trailer filled with things that Ray had bought, made, or altered using his mechanical knowledge to torture women. The trailer contained simple things like whips and chains and much more ominous things like a gynecological table, leg spreader bars, surgical blades and saws, sex toys he had altered to cause maximum damage and pain. He liked to change devices so that he could use them to electrically shock his victims. The walls were papered in diagrams and drawings of his on how to use certain toys and basically how, how to cause maximum pain to his victims. And he actually had a lot of um, medical books like in his trailer so that he could learn how to do these things. I wish you guys could see my face right now because <laughs> I'm just like mind blown right now. I thought you knew this case already. Like maybe I mean, not in the detail, but I mean, I vaguely knew it. Like I remember turning on this episode from another podcast, but now that you're talking about it, I don't think I actually listened to the episode while I had it on. <laughs> Because I don't know half the stuff you're talking about. And it's like I'm learning it all for the first time. And I'm fucking freaked out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, luckily, he's no longer around. So, for three days, Cynthia endured all of this insane torture. Though she was captured with the intent of being kept for much longer than three days. During her time, she actually heard David and Cindy discussing how he would keep her while Cindy went away. So Cindy's daughter was having her first grandchild, was having Cindy's first grandchild. And Cindy was going to go away to be with her daughter during that time. So while she was away, the reason that they had captured Cynthia was so that she could be like his sex. So David would let her go. He, they, he needed a sex slave while she was gone. Wait, how old is David? Uh, at the time, I believe 59. Ugh, old wrinkly penis. Oh, you don't even know that. Let's just look him, look his ugly face up. He's so like, he, it's weird because he looks like he'd be a little guy in his picture actually, but he was like six foot two. And I just, he's just got like a, the worst, like, Ew, pain, his like mustache. A, <laughs> I was just going to say his mustache. And yeah. it's red, and the rest of his hair is dark brown. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Yeah. So, so that was their whole reasoning for taking her, was so that David had something to keep him occupied while Cindy was away. And it's so strange because it's like a normal mom thing to do to go be with your child while they're having a kid. Meanwhile... In order to do that, she's capturing a woman to be a sex slave for her boyfriend while she's gone. Like, so the wait. whole thing is. Ugh. Did you see what? the other pictures on Google? A, a lot of them, yeah. Why? Like the inside of his trailer. Oh yeah. Oh my god. 
Yeah. Well, we'll get to there too. There's a there's a small yeah. side story in this. Is that story. an electric chair? No, it's probably the gynecological chair. No. Uh. That looks like an electric chair. I didn't. No, no, no. That's the gynecological chair. He changed it and like put straps and stuff on it so that he it would work for him. Like there was. There's a lot of contraptions in that fucking thing. He spent like over a hundred grand over the course of like at least two decades, probably making and buying and creating that fucking toy box. Like it was extensive. This was no joke. This was, this took a lot of time to build and create. Can oh you yeah. Read yep. Satan's done. Better okay. fucking believe it. You've made the seed. <laughs> I'm putting my phone down now. <laughs> Are you okay over there? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm just shook it right now. <laughs> <laughs> As you should be. I'm, I'm kind of glad that's your reaction. It's, it's all so fucked up. It is. Okay. So, so they, um, one day before Cindy left to go to be there for the birth of her grandchild, she was left in charge of watching Cynthia for the day while David went to work. But on day three, when he went to work and Cindy was supposed to be keeping an eye on their victim, she was watching soap operas and she got a phone call and she made the mistake of leaving the keys to Cynthia's shackles laying on the table. When Cindy went to take the call, Cynthia was able to reach the table like the leg of it with her foot and pull it towards her. And since she didn't have handcuffs or like leg shackles that day, she was able to kind of sit up, even though she was still shackled to the wall by her slave collar. And when, so she unhooked herself from the wall, but then she tried to push the table back so that hopefully Cindy wouldn't notice when she came back in. But when Cindy returned holding a phone and an ice pick, which I think is a strange yeah, combo, she noticed something was off. So the women ended up scuffling and Cindy tried to re- regain control of the situation. She hit Cynthia over the head with a lamp, like until it broke. She broke it over her head. And but it did not stop Cynthia at all. I mean, she must have had enough adrenaline coursing through her veins that she was superhuman because she fucking rallied. She ended up getting a hold of the phone and the ice pack and she dialed 911 before dropping the phone. And then um, she ended up stabbing Cindy Hendy in the fucking neck with the ice pick. <laughs> Sorry. Cindy. It was unfortunately fairly superficial and didn't wound enough to kill her, but um, it was enough to give Cynthia the time to escape. So now she's free, but she's running down the road for help, naked, bloodied, wearing a goddamn iron slave collar still fastened to her neck. So Cynthia had to come. Cynthia had come up to a car and was like banging on the window, begging them to help her. But the woman rolled the windows up and locked the doors and drove away. And I, but I mean, 
kind of understandably, like, she must have looked like a nightmare standing on the side of the road, nude and bloody with a slave collar on. And I, I'm not sure I'd be like, hey, come get in my car. I would definitely call the police. Right. <laughs> not really sure, not having read this story, what my own reaction would be. And there's not a ton of information on it, but so I don't know what that lady's thought process was, but I'm, I'm certain I would at least call 911. So Cynthia finally came to a home of an older elderly couple where the resident took her in and called the police. They covered her with a pink robe and the, um, she had told them like, they're coming for me. And the elderly gentleman pulled out a shotgun and he said to her, like, basically, don't worry, like, nobody's going to hurt them. They called the police. Police were on their way. Now, when the police got there and were going to take her to the hospital, they had to do a lot to convince her that they were police and that it was safe to go with them. Because you have to remember the whole pretense that had gotten her in the situation in the first place was someone pretending to be a cop. So she understandably was very weary of going with the police, you know, because that was David's whole thing in the first place. He was arresting her. So now Cynthia told her story to the police. And when the police caught up with Cindy and David, who were driving around looking for their prisoner, they told the police that, yes, they had taken her captive, but that it was for her own good. They were trying to help her during the very hard part of detoxing off of heroin is what they told the police so obviously the police didn't really believe her and i'm curious how they would explain to her being naked beaten wearing a slave collar as part of this excuse i've never personally been to rehab but i'm pretty certain that's not how they detox people by all of this insaneness so the police luckily didn't buy their story. They transported Cindy to the hospital for her neck wound and arrested David Parker Ray. They found the audio that he'd used that we listened to earlier, along with detailed journals of his escapades, which I can't really even imagine reading through those. And the most damning police found pictures of women in awful positions being tortured and video evidence of a murder, at least one murder. So Cynthia's escape had led the police to decades of crimes committed by David Ray Park, David Parker Ray and unearthed his multiple accomplices. After David was caught, the FBI agent tasked um, the FBI tasked agent Patty Rust with preparing detailed drawings of the things inside of his toy box, his torture collection, essentially. The things inside this chamber of hell were so bad that after five days in the trailer reviewing the torture toys he had built, she walked out of the toy box and shot herself in the head with her service revolver. She died instantly. What? And yeah, and this was not a soft woman. Agent Rust was a former U.S. Army captain. She was an experienced FBI agent. But spending time alone reviewing the depravity of David Parker Ray and the destruction he had caused put her over the edge. So that was just a little sidebar story of this whole mess. 
And I'm happy to say that since 2009, a lot of these types of professions now require counseling, where in the past it was kind of seen as a weakness if someone couldn't handle the things involved in jobs like these. But we now know that it does affect people's psyches and it's important. So, yeah. So the per, the, one of the FBI agents who was covering this could, was so distraught by it that she killed herself. Now, I can't even imagine. No. Well, yeah. With all the media coverage on the story, other victims who had survived started coming out. There was a video in the trailer of a woman who the media had used a still picture of one of the videos of a flower ankle tattoo to identify her. Back in 1996, so three years before Cynthia was taken, a woman named Kelly Garrett had gotten into a fight with her husband. She went out to the bar to blow off some steam with her friend, Jesse Ray. Remember how I said that would be important later? Well, Kelly and Jesse, who's his daughter, Jesse Ray, had been friends for a few years. The two spent the night playing pool. Kelly was having her first beer of the night when a friend needed a ride home. So Kelly drove her friend home and really quick, and then she came back to um, play pool with Jesse. But while she'd been gone, Jesse had drugged her drink. The two made it out into the parking lot where David Parker Ray hit Kelly over the head, rendering her unconscious so they could bring her back to his toy box. So just to recap, not only does this monster eventually end up getting a girlfriend that's into the same twisted devil shit, but he's raised a minion named Jesse Ray to help him carry out his evil. And I wish that was as fucked up as it gets, but it always gets worse. So Kelly is drugged and tortured for a couple days her husband reports her missing but they got in a fight and so everyone including the police assumes she's just somewhere cooling down in reality kelly has been to hell in the last couple of days since she supposedly found she's supposedly found a mess wandering the beach in the same clothes she had left in days before by a state park employee the authorities brought kelly home to her in-laws but she couldn't remember what happened the last couple days. And the state park employee who brought Kelly home was none other than David Parker Ray himself. What? He gave, yep, he is a, that is his job at this current time. He is a state, um, state park ranger at this time. Oh mm-hmm. my God. Which is the perfect job to dispose of bodies where people will never fucking find them. So he tells her, in-laws that he found her confused wandering and a mess and he brings her home he said he had brought her to his house given her some bread which also doesn't make any sense and then brought her back to them so kelly was confused she was drugged to the point where she didn't even realize who he was and she wasn't sure what had gone on she thought she may have been sexually assaulted, but she couldn't remember. She just knew she was hurt. And her husband didn't believe her because she didn't remember what had happened. So thinking she'd been messing around the last couple of days, her husband kicked her out of the house and eventually they divorce. So Kelly wanted to go to the police, but she couldn't remember what actually happened. So how do you go to the police and report a crime that you don't even know what the crime is? 
so not only did um, David Parker Ray get off on torturing women physically, he'd also had a thing for messing with their minds and memory. He would drug them heavily with things that made them hallucinate and basically induced amnesia. And uh, I do have, it starts with a P, poly, poly I can't pronounce it. Uh, no, Spell. I looked it there's a few of them. Hold, please. Oh, sodium pentothal and phenobarbital were okay. some of the drugs that he liked to use. Um, and basically it was to the point that these women, that the ones that actually got away would not really know what happened or couldn't put the pieces together enough to blame anybody basically so the single video of a murder that was found in the toy box took place a year after kelly's experience now kelly moved away after this after everything went down with her husband and she ended up getting a divorce because of all of this happening um she moved away and a year after that a similar experience happened to another girl named Marie Parker Marie had been at a bar before going missing and she was last seen at the bar with her friend Jesse Ray and her boyfriend Dennis Roy Yancey it's unclear from my research if they were still dating at the time or if they had just previously dated but I've seen both reported regardless this is someone she'd been intimate with in the before and of course Jesse Ray the minion from hell was out finding her daddy another victim Marie had been another sort of troubled girl so police suspected that she had just left town when she was reported missing by her family and like Kelly Marie had taken a ride home from her friend Jesse the night before after playing pool Unfortunately, Marie wouldn't make it home. After torturing Marie, Ray had instructed her boyfriend, Dennis Roy Yancey, to murder her. So Yancey strangled her to death in the video and had then helped Ray dispose, David Parker Ray dispose of her body. This had all taken place two years before Cynthia would come into the picture. And if she hadn't escaped, none of this may have ever even come to light. Just a month before the abduction of Cynthia, David and Cindy abducted a woman named Angie Montano, who had never come forward either until um, later on. They had let her go after three days of torture in the toy box, and she had been too afraid to come forward and maybe not had enough details as well because of the drugging that they did. But her story was almost identical to that of Cynthia Vigil. David Parker Ray and his accomplices were all arrested. Cindy Hende, Jesse Ray, <laughs> and Dennis Roy Yancey were all arrested. And almost immediately, Cindy Hende turned on David. She says she has always had always been assisting, only been assisting him on his assaults for a little while, but that he told her had been torturing and killing for years, which I believe. And when they interview um, Dennis 
Roy Yancey, he tells them that he can help them recover Marie's body. But when they go out to find if she is there, they find nothing. It's believed that David Parker Ray probably actually removed her remains after they had originally disposed of her. In fact, zero bodies are ever found. Since the arrests, police have done extensive searches for the bodies, but being as he was a state park ranger, he could easily dispose of bodies. It is such a large area of land full of mines, caves, and large bodies of water. It is the most perfect way to use the analogy like finding a needle in a haystack. I think it might actually be easier to find a real needle in a haystack than to find his victims in the place where he was state park ranger. Dennis Roy Yancey was sentenced to 20 years in prison for a second. Uh Uh-huh. 20 years. Yep. Please tell me he gets charged with something else. Let me finish. Okay. I'll be (laughs) patient. (laughs) You're going to feel like that a lot as I continue to read. Just, 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 just uh, let me get to that. <laughs> can, I, can I pause to go get a beer? I feel like I need a beer for this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, you you could have one after. You'll feel okay. good about having one after. Okay. He was paroled in 2010, but <laughs> he broke his probation and remain was remanded to prison until at least 2021 to serve the remainder of his sentence. So there's that. Cindy Hendy. <laughs> was cut a deal and sentenced to serve 36 years for her involvement. With good time served, she was released this past July. Did you Luckily, say 36 years? Yep. Okay. Yep, do the math. That did not work out. It was, uh, since she was, I think she was sentenced in 2000. So she was sentenced and did, what, 19 years then? If yeah. it was 2019 she got out? Yep. Luckily, since she was convicted, there has been new legislation saying that violent criminals such as her have to serve at least 85% of their time. Um, but it's just too bad that that legislation hadn't come a little bit sooner so that she would still be in prison. She is out. As far as I am aware, she is currently out. After just 19 years, which is not even close. She should never see the data light. Light of day, in my <laughs> the day of light. <laughs> baby, your baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> my absolute favorite memes of all time, I think. By the way, <coughs> mine too. So after everyone else involved was tried for their crimes, David Parker Ray went to trial, and David took a plea. Um, he agreed to plead guilty in exchange for his daughter not serving time. Jesse Ray is charged with kidnapping, but only gets nine years of probation. I repeat, she does not get sentenced to jail time. What the hell? I just David is, I know. David is sentenced to the maximum of 224 years in prison. Well, there's and- some justice. all right don't laugh at me like that (laughs) five months later on the day that he's transferred (laughs) from the county jail 
to Leah County Correctional Facility. So usually you sit in jail until you're tried and all that jazz, and then they'll move you to the actual prison that you're going to be serving your time in. So five five months later, when he's transferred to Leah County Correctional Facility, Ray is in a holding cell while he's being processed. So basically when they're doing the paperwork to enter him into this, his new home, while he's in this holding cell, he slumps over and dies of a heart attack, having huh. served not one single day of his sentence in prison. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Nope. And that is the most unsatisfying ending to one of the most horrific cases that I have ever come across. The Toy Box Killer, a.k.a. David Parker Ray. I just, I have no words. I know. I know. Yep. None of them got any, like, it just feels like zero justice, really. Like, so you have grandma murderer, crazy lady, out, out already. She's been out since July, I believe July 15th, maybe, is the date that she was released this last July. And then... Jesse, Jesse Ray, she just wandered around doing her own thing. Like, she, this bitch never had to serve anything. And then the only reason that Roy Yancey is really paying any time that he deserves to pay is because he fucked up on probation and got sent back. Otherwise, he'd be out, too. It makes me, like, a little sick. A lot sick, actually. It just makes you wonder how many people in your daily life should be in prison for something, but get out on good behavior, time served, and stuff like that. Well, and so for Cinda Hindi, her, <laughs> she was out on good time, but she actually had things when she was in prison that I read that, like, like a drug paraphernalia or something like that. And I'm thinking, well, why? How'd she get out on a good time then? Like, shouldn't that just automatically null you getting? paroled i don't understand yeah i don't know so yeah and there's just the thing is is these are the few women that we know about so like david parker ray wasn't actually even charged with a single murder roy dennis roy yancey was charged with that because the one that committed it and this could have been one of the most prolific serial killers of all time, but there's never been a body recovered to charge him with any of it. Plus, so Angie Montana, which is one of the ladies that he let go after a few days, and she never came forward until after the fact, but he was never charged with hers either because before the trial, she passed away. So, the only thing they had to charge him with is her testimony. So those 224 (laughs) years didn't even include a charge for her. And there's just so many. Why am I not surprised? I, it's just, it's, it's it's so maddening. Yes. So there's just, there's a lot to this case. There's so it's like, one of the biggest rabbit holes you could crawl down and you'll probably be sorry you did once you <laughs> start going further into the, re- like, oh, the details of the dog thing. That's just like, why? I can't. I wish yeah. I hadn't had that because I can't scrub it from my mind. I need to bleach my brain, you guys. Do you want to know something funny? 
like total sidebar. Uh-huh. So when we first started recording, I fucking almost had a panic attack. Cause going back to thinking the the guy was in my house, remember? Remember that episode where I thought someone was in my house? Oh yeah, yeah. I fucking out of the corner of my eye see a figure over by my closed bedroom door. <laughs> And it's fucking Mike's suit from the wedding hanging up oh on the back God. of the door. You're a little bit of a whack job, I have to say. I am, but you love me anyways. It's true. It's true. <laughs> oh, my God. And I was wondering at one point in the story when I was telling the story and I looked over at your face, I was like, nobody's home. Is she okay? <laughs> And now I know why. <laughs> I'm fucking freaking myself like, out over here. I'm, I'm just going to keep going and hopefully it turns out okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. I, listen, there's not a safe spot in my house that I don't think someone's going to get to me in. <laughs> um, You could have like a panic room. I want one of those. It's like a wine cellar panic room oh. where you're like push a button and your island like pops up and you can go down the stairs into it and then it closes. I want one of those mostly because of the wine, but also because of the dinner room. <laughs> I, I'll, I want a wine room, but I want craft beer in it. Oh, that's not a wine room then. That's a beer room or a, what's a, uh, like a, brewery you want a brewery or something <laughs> no I don't want to make my own beer oh you just want just, to keep a lot of beer yeah in case there's a, you know like a tornado or something you're gonna need all that beer yeah if I'm not, can, my not canned goods stuff has craft beer in her <laughs> tornado shelter guys I mean priorities right calm down hipster <laughs> <laughs> so that is so super, funny another funny note Mike has had this sign on our bedroom wall since before I moved in. It says, please don't feed the hipsters. (laughs) (laughs) Further proof. Further proof. He's more hipster than I am. Yeah, I can see that. With his hat and his beard. I can see that. But his beard's a lot shorter than what it used to be. Well, that's good. I keep telling Ricardo, so I guess we both have bearded tattooed dudes but ricardo usually has a very clean cut like well-maintained beard and all of a sudden lately it's got like a wave to it because it's just so long i'm like dude is it time for a haircut yet because he goes to the barber to get it all taken care of and whatever like dude does he put like beard oil and stuff in he does. He has a whole grooming kit. He he's gonna be mad. Maybe he won't listen to this episode. He bought you guys. <laughs> he bought a beard iron because he woke up one day. <laughs> I didn't know that existed. Did you know that existed? A beard iron, like a flat iron for your beard. I'm a barber. Oh my god, you guys! I was <laughs> I, I saw it in the bathroom. I was like, what the fuck is this thing? <laughs> and then he's like, well, I woke up this morning and my beard was so crazy. It was like all to the side, like an out, and I didn't, I couldn't fix it. So all day I was messing with it because I could not fix it. Water didn't help. Nothing helped it. He's like, so I bought a beard iron. I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. That is the funniest oh my god I was dying you guys I used to take a round brush <laughs> with a blow dryer and blow mics out when it was super long <laughs> <laughs> 
See, and the thing is, is that a long beard is supposed to be like this burly, manly, lumberjack, like sexy thing. Meanwhile, you guys don't even know that all these bearded men are super metrosexual with fucking beard irons and shit, putting (laughs) hair products in their fucking beards. (laughs) But listen, you have the hookup on beard products if you ever want, like, really good beard stuff for them. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I can give you my email and login for this app that I have, that I have my, uh, my, uh, um... Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, supply store. The supply store. Uh, Cool. And, like, the card will come up on that, and you can go in and shop. Cool. Well, I'm sure he'll like the hookup. We'll we'll discuss (laughs) it. He seems to have everything he needs right now because he's got his beard iron and all his products right now. But for the future, keep it in mind. Buy him some flat iron spray for Christmas. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, I already bought him a bunch of stuff. And he bought the same shit I bought for him already, so no, Dude, he gets nothing. I'm buying <laughs> when we come up. I'm bringing some flat iron spray for his beard. Oh I'm fucking God. dying. <laughs> uh, okay. I do kind of um want to just apologize to our listeners because. <laughs> I planned this episode, so I was like, okay, you know what, number 10 sounds cool, we'll do this big case for that num- that episode. I had no idea that this disgusting episode was going to land on freaking Christmas, so <laughs> I apologize. But maybe it brought some kind of uh, interesting enjoyment to our crime fanatics who are being forced to eat dinner with their racist uncle Larry tonight. So I hope (laughs) that if nothing else, you guys enjoyed the story and maybe don't have nightmares like I probably will for the next, who knows how long, but. Well, wait till I tell you my story next week. Ooh, I actually don't know that one that you sent me. So I'll have to start looking them up, but I'm, I'm interested to see. And was there any other orders of business before well, we? While we were recording, I had the bright idea of um, posting a contest on the Instagram. Oh. So I am crafty and can make T-shirts and stuff. So I picked out a design of a T-shirt. It says True Crime and Chill. So <laughs> if you're an if you're an iPhone user, get on iTunes, rate and review us. And come back and comment on the post that you did. And we will be able to track, like, who's actually, com- like, rating and reviewing us. Because iTunes will tell us that. Um, so, yeah. If we have, I've decided that if we have more than 50 comments, then I'll pick more than one winner to win a t-shirt. So, this is a little incentive. Because, I mean, I know you guys are listening. And at least half of you have to be iPhone users. Oh yeah, it feels like we have so many Apple Apple podcast listeners. It's insane. So yeah, uh, and also I don't know if it is because we covered Ying Ying Zhang or what, but we just added the Philippines and Taiwan to our listeners, which blew my mind. Like we have a lot of um people outside of the u.s that listen but when those were added i was like what i it even blew my mind so one of my customers or yeah i have regulars that come from the netherlands 
and they live oh. here now. And where one of their cousins was in town visiting, and they sent him in to me to get a haircut. Well, he's from the Netherlands as well. He's a police officer, so I was telling him about the podcast, and I'm almost positive that that Netherlands listener is him. Uh-huh. Because I, I wrote down the podcast information, uh-huh. and he made sure that, you know, he found it on his phone before he left. That's so crazy, though. Like, it I just, wonder, yeah. Yay. It blows my mind that we have listeners outside of our friends. <laughs> uh, the very few of, that we have. <laughs> I mean, oh. you got to have friends for them to listen to your podcast. So, yeah. So there's probably like five people at least that listen to our podcast. <laughs> well, my mom listens. She does? She does. Wow. She loves it. I don't know why that surprises me, but... Girl, she read my books. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. And this is way more tamer than those books. Way more tamer. Jesus yeah, Christ. I guess that's true. Well, yeah. But it's different because that's not true stories, and these are, and that's, like, for me, the... But her favorite show is 48 Hours. Oh, well, I love that your mom's a crime fanatic. Shout out to her. That's awesome. Yeah. I wish my mom was into that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could say something, but I'm not going to. I'll, <laughs> we'll I'll text that. it to you later. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that alone. But anyways, <laughs> so, all right. Well, everybody, though, even if you don't have iTunes, so you can't, I don't think you can leave a review on the other form formats, but if you're on Spotify listening or whatnot, Go ahead and follow us. That way when you when we post new episodes, you'll automatically get a notification that tells you when there's a new episode up. Ideally, every Wednesday there will be one, but sometimes life happens and that is impossible. But generally that'll be the the key for us. Um also, no matter where you are, if you are listening from the Netherlands or Taiwan or the Philippines or the UK, or the other countries that are listening to us now, and you have cases by you, unsolved or just interesting cases, definitely email those to us. We'd love to hear from you. The email you can send those to is truecrimeprojectpod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Go ahead and send us anything that you would like to share. we love to hear from you guys, even if you just want to say hi. Feel free. Um, and then you can always hop over and say hi on Twitter. We are True Crime Project, but it's our handle is at crime underscore project. And then definitely go hit up Instagram and check out the um, contest that Steph just posted. So, all right. What else do we have, Steph? Is that? I think that's it. All right. Well. I hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas, and we will see you in a week, I suppose. God, it'll be New Year's Eve? No, New Year's Day on our next episode. Yep. yep. Starting off 2020 right. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> uh, hopefully 2020 is better than 2019 was. Fucking truth right there. <clears throat> All right, everybody. Have a Merry Christmas, my friends, and hopefully 
We will see you again in a week. Bye, guys. Bye.